Well, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Hold your place there and then turn over two books to Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. Now, while you're finding that, I just got to brag on what God did yesterday. Over at our West Campus, they had well over 2,000 people at their Easter egg hunt, which was an outreach event. So over 2,000. So we're hoping about, yeah, let's give God a hand. We're hoping like about 1,000 of them show up on Easter Sunday at the West Campus. We don't know what we'll do with them, but we hope they show up nevertheless. I've got a confession to make. Don't know if I should. I'm going to make it. I watch nighttime soap operas. Now, now, before you tell me to turn in my man card, let me just say that these are action-oriented nighttime soap operas. I call them nighttime soap operas because they have a continuing storyline and they get you hooked in. Now, one of the ones I used to watch that I don't watch anymore because it's no longer on was a show called Revenge. My daughter got me hooked on this show. It told the story of this young woman who was seeking revenge on these people that that she blamed for wrongly imprisoning and then causing the death of her father. And every episode, she would devise a plan and then she would carry out that plan to get even with those people who had hurt her father. Every week, they were be a flashback that would show an event from her childhood when, when they would come and they would take her father away and cart him off to jail. She would remember that and she could never get over that. She played it over and over and over in her mind. And that's the problem with unforgiveness. You see, when we hold on to a hurt or a wrong or a pain... What we are choosing to do is mentally experience that pain, that moment, over and over again. Now, we may not devise an elaborate plan to get even with those who hurt us, but I am afraid, nevertheless, that many of us are still in bondage, ultimately, to the one who hurt us, simply because we cannot or we choose not to forgive. It may be an employer who has wronged us. It could be a friend who has betrayed us. It could be a parent who abused us. It could be a spouse who deserted us. For some of us, our unforgiveness is always there. I read about a Jewish survivor of the Holocaust who said this. He said, if you could lick my heart, it would poison you. Our hurt and and our unforgiveness has become a bitterness that has infected every area of our life. For others of us, something is said. Or we see something and it triggers a memory. And all of a sudden that hurt and that pain comes back into our life. Someone said unforgiveness is a deadly toxin in our bodies resulting in real and measurable physiological effects. And that takes me to the last one another we're going to address in this series, and that is forgive one another. Now remember, these one another show us how we are to live together as a family of faith. 
We are to be devoted to one another. We are to encourage one another. We're to accept one another. We're to pray for one another. We're to serve one another, to restore one another. We are to confess our sins to one another. We are to live in unity with one another. But there's not a better one another to end this series on than this one. Forgive one another. Because the truth is, life happens. And with life comes junk. And with junk comes hurt. And with hurt comes the need to forgive and be forgiven. And so what does the Bible say about forgiveness? When Ephesians chapter 4 verses 31 and 32, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead... Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. The Apostle Paul says we can choose bitterness and anger and harsh words, or we can choose forgiveness, but we can't have both. And then notice how he said we're to forgive, we're to forgive like Jesus forgave. And so we have a choice to make. We're going to be bitter and angry and we're going to be filled with harsh words or we're going to be forgiven. And if we're going to be forgiving, we are going to forgive like Jesus forgave. And then listen to what he says in Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Here Paul was saying that those of us who are Christians are called to be forgiving. And our forgiveness is to cover whatever grievances. In other words, our forgiveness is to cover anything and everything. And then Paul says again, we are to forgive like the Lord forgave. When I hear that, I think about Stephen. In Acts chapter 7, he was one of the first leaders of the church in Jerusalem, and he was preaching the gospel. And because he was preaching the gospel, the crowd got angry at him and picked up stones and began stoning him to death. And as he was dying on the ground from being pelted by stones, he cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As they were throwing stones at him, killing him, he was asking God to forgive them. You see, this forgiveness thing is a big deal to God. The Greek word for forgiveness is found 146 times in the New Testament. In case you're wondering, that's a lot. This one word in the Greek is found 146 times. 
And the truth is, forgiveness is such an important deal to God because it has eternal consequences. When Jesus was was teaching his disciples to pray, he said this. He said, when you pray, you should pray, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. But then he went on to say this. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now chew on that for just a minute. I don't know about you, but when I hear words like that, it wakes me up. I I may be about to go to sleep, In church. But when I hear something like this. If you forgive God's going to forgive you. If you don't forgive God's not going to forgive you. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to perk up. I want to hear what's being said. Because this is a big deal. Jesus said if, if you don't forgive. God's not going to forgive you. He said if you forgive. You are going to be forgiven. You don't forgive. You don't get forgiveness. Jesus is saying there's this inseparable link between forgiving others and being forgiven by God. So what does this mean? Well, Jesus isn't saying that that, that people who have been forgiven by God are forgiven because they forgive other people. It's not saying that. If it was saying that, then that means we earn our salvation by just forgiving people. That's not what this is saying. What Jesus is saying is that those who are forgiven by God are going to be forgiving people. The truth of the matter is you and I are never more like God than when we choose to forgive. And so when someone hurts you, you make a choice. You will choose to fume And get bitter and get angry and do all the things that come with that or you choose to forgive. So that leads me to a question. What is forgiveness? Well, let me answer that by first of all telling you what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness does not mean that we ignore a wrong. Someone wrongs us when someone hurts us. We sweep it under a rug. We act like it never happened. I cannot imagine someone who has been sexually abused as a child or someone who who has lost a child to a drunk driver or someone who has experienced some other unbelievable hurt simply acting like that hurt never happened. Forgiveness doesn't mean you act like the hurt never happened. The Bible doesn't teach that. And Joseph is a good example. Remember Joseph in the Old Testament? His brothers were jealous of Joseph and they sold him into slavery. But in slavery, Joseph rose through the ranks and became the second most powerful man in Egypt. And in a time of famine, because of the wisdom of Joseph, Egypt had grain to sell to the nations when everyone else was starving. And so Joseph's brothers ended up coming to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph when they realized it was Joseph 
This is what Joseph said. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. So, so don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. You see, Joseph did not ignore the wrong. In reality, he pointed it out. But Joseph was able to look beyond the evil his brothers did to him and trust the hand of God. And forgiveness allows us to do that. Second, forgiveness does not mean that we no longer desire justice. It does not mean that, that when someone does us wrong, we feel the need for them to repay that wrong. The truth of the matter is, if you've been wronged legally, then someone should pay for that wrong. When there is a death that occurs because someone has been negligent or, or mean or whatever else, someone should pay for that wrong. When someone steals something from you, someone should pay for that wrong. So this isn't saying that, that when you forgive, you no longer desire justice. It simply means that you recognize that it's not your job to exact the payment. In Romans chapter 12, it says this, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord our God. Forgiveness means that I surrender my rights to get even. And I am trusting God in the process. You see, there's a difference between vengeance and justice. And we can still demand justice but we trust God and third forgiveness does not mean that we forget the wrong we've somehow been led to believe that that if we're going to forgive someone we've got to somehow some way experience this memory wipe of the event I, I can't remember this event if I'm going to forgive and people even quote the Bible on this people quote Jeremiah 31 34 where God says, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. And, and people say, well, God forgets our sins, so we should forget other people's sins. But is that literally saying that God wipes it out of his mind? Can an all-knowing God wipe something out of his mind? Because if he wipes it out of his mind, then he doesn't know it anymore. How could he be an all-knowing God anymore? And if our God is eternal and time means nothing to God and God is the God of the past and the present and the future, then we need to understand that, that God lives outside of our time and space. So this isn't saying that somehow, some way, when, when God forgets our sins, he has a holy case of dementia or Alzheimer's. What this is saying is that God is saying, I will never bring your sin up again. Forgetting is biological. Forgiving is spiritual. And finally, forgiveness doesn't mean that reconciliation has occurred or ever will occur. There's a difference between reconciliation and forgiveness. Forgiveness is unilateral. Reconciliation is a mutual decision that takes two people. 
And the Bible makes it very clear that for reconciliation to occur, there has to be true repentance. There are times that we forgive someone, but we never reconcile with them. The intimacy of the past is broken. A wife who has been cheated on multiple times has the right given to her by God's word to leave that husband. She can forgive him. And she must forgive him. But she does not have to be reconciled to him in that relationship. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. So what is forgiveness? Well, the word used in the Bible has both a legal and a financial meaning. Legally, it means to release from an obligation. Financially, it means to cancel a debt. And so biblical forgiveness is the decision to release someone from the debt they owe and the blame they deserve because of a hurt, a pain, or a loss that they have caused. You see, when we forgive someone, we are releasing them of a debt, an obligation. Forgiveness is the willingness on our part to simply write off the debt. Forgiveness is the willingness on our part to go to the person who has done us wrong and say, you no longer owe me anything. Now, some of you are probably going to say, but Rocky, you don't know what they've done to me. And let me say, you're correct. And there are some of you that if I knew the horrific things that you have experienced at the hands of others, I would break down in tears. It would break my heart. But you need to understand that regardless of what anyone has done to us, God has called us to make the decision to forgive. And when we choose to forgive, we're not necessarily hurting the person who has hurt us. We're hurting ourselves. Someone said unforgiveness is the only poison that we drink and wait on someone else to die. Robert Jeffrey said this. He said when we refuse to forgive someone, we're trying to exact some payment that will compensate for the hurt that we have felt. When we refuse to forgive someone, we're trying to exact payment, get payment for them that will compensate for the hurt they've caused. But may I ask you, if you've lost a child to a drunk driver, is any payment going to take the pain of the loss of your child away? If you've been cheated on and deserted by a spouse, is any payment that they give you going to ever take that pain away? No. You see, your unforgiveness is only hurting you. 
But so your forgiveness is a choice. It's a decision. It's an act of the will. It has nothing to do with how you feel. It's releasing a person from a debt that they owe you. And forgiveness is unconditional. No matter what the offense, no matter what the hurt, we are called to forgive. Jesus showed us how. On the cross, he was dying for the sins of those who nailed him to the cross. And and while he was there on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them? Forgive them? They unjustly arrested you, Jesus. They beat you, Jesus. They mocked you and made fun of you. They whipped you until the flesh was falling off of your body. Jesus, they they stripped you naked and made you carry a cross through the streets of Jerusalem. Jesus, when you got up to that hill called Golgotha, they nailed you to a cross naked for the world to see. And Jesus, while you were up there, they laughed at you and mocked you and and gambled for the clothes that they took off of you. Forgive them. And then Jesus looks at me. And he says, and Father, forgive him. Because he doesn't know either. You see, I'm just as guilty. And you're just as guilty. You you may not have been there. And and you may not have been the one who was was holding the clubs. You may not have been the one who was... was, um, Using the whip, you may not have been the one who hammered in the nails. You may not have been the one who was saying those mocking, ridiculing words. But Jesus said that you are just as guilty as they are. And I'm just as guilty as they are. And when he died on the cross, he said to God, his father, forgive them. Forgive them all. Because they don't know what they're doing. When Jesus Christ was nailed to that cross, he was canceling our debt. He was releasing us from the obligation that we owed. And he said, forgive them. I've paid their debt in full. And he said, we're to forgive the exact same way. That's what Stephen did. He was telling that crowd about Jesus. Sharing the hope that he had because of the resurrected Lord. And they got so angry with him. That they began killing him. And in the last words he uttered, as he lay there dying, was not, Lord, get even with them. Lord, exact justice on them. 
said, Lord, forgive them. And the reason is because Stephen understood what it meant to be forgiven. I want to close with a story. It's a story Jesus told in Matthew 18. Jesus tells us at the beginning of the story that the story is about a kingdom, the kingdom of God. And the king in the story is God. And the king is collecting debts from people that owe him debts. And this man is brought before the king, a servant, and he owes the king 10,000 talents. And you may wonder what that is. Well, historians tell us that a talent was about 20 years of wages. 20 years of wages. He owed 10,000 talents. This was an unpayable debt for this man. If, if, if an annual wage is $50,000, this man owed about $10 million or $10 billion. And he was brought before the king, and the king said, put him in jail, put his wife in jail, put his children in jail, sell everything he has until the debt is paid. The man fell on his face before the king and begged for mercy. And Jesus said the king was filled with pity for the man. And he released him. And get this. He forgave his debt $10 billion. Well, after the man was released of his debt, he went out and he found another servant that owed him a debt. 100 pence debt. And if you don't know what 100 pence is, 100 pence, if a wage is about $50,000 a year, 100 pence would be $20,000. So that's no small amount of money. It's almost a half of year's worth of work. This other servant owed him $20,000, a lot of money. And so he grabbed the man, the Bible said, around the neck and said, pay me what you owe me. And this fellow servant fell on the ground, and just like he had done earlier, he begged for mercy. Give me time, and I'll repay the debt, I promise. But the servant said, no. And he had him thrown in prison with his wife and his children until the debt could be paid. He was owed $20,000. He would not forgive the debt. He owed $10 billion, and he was forgiven. Some of the other servants heard what had happened and they went to the king and told the king. And as you can imagine, the king was livid. And I want you to listen to what Jesus said. He said, then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And then Jesus closed with these words. He said, that's what my heavenly father will do. If you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Did you hear that? Did you get it? The king had the man thrown in prison and tortured until he could pay the debt. The debt was never going to be paid. He was going to be there forever. And Jesus said, 
the Heavenly Father, He's going to do the same thing to you if you don't forgive people when they sin against you. Now, what does that mean? Does God take his forgiveness back? Is his forgiveness conditional? No. But it is an indication that that those who don't show forgiveness have never truly understood and experienced God's forgiveness. The truth is, if you can't forgive, it's most likely because you've never truly experienced God's forgiveness. And so have you been forgiven? Here's what I know. I don't think this. I don't guess this. I know this. If you've truly been forgiven, you've experienced the forgiveness of God, you are going to become an increasingly more forgiving person. And through the indwelling power of God's Spirit, through Christ in us, we will learn how to forgive people, even of the most heinous things that they've ever done to us. And so, if you've experienced God's forgiveness, let me tell you, the, the way to tell is not because you've uttered some cheesy prayer. It's not because you've cried crocodile tears because you got caught doing something wrong. It's not even because you've gone through some church ritual like baptism, which is vitally important. The way that Jesus said you can tell whether you've really been forgiven is through the way you live. Jesus said, by their fruits you will know them. And one of the fruits is forgiving people when they sin against us. If we can't do that, the fruit in our life, it's rotten. It's no good. So has, so has Jesus changed your life? Do you find yourself becoming more and more forgiving as you seek to become more and more like Jesus? If not, because you've never really discovered his grace so I want you to bow your head with me and close your eyes with me if you will and with your head bowed and with your eyes closed if you're here and right now you know that you've never really experienced a life change through the power of the Holy Spirit of God And you want Jesus to change your life. You want him to save you. You want him to make you new. You recognize that this is a big deal. Then I encourage you to pray this prayer from a sincere heart to him right now. Dear God, please forgive me. I've been a rebel I've tried to act like I was God. I've lived as if you didn't exist. I've lived in rebellion. Forgive me. I don't want to live this way anymore. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. You died 
on a cross. You rose from the dead to pay for my sins and set me free. Today, I'm asking you to save me. Today, I'm trusting you to save me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Make me brand new, I pray in Jesus' name.